there's an approach that we can take that really does lend toward sustainability and, and regener uh, regenerative living where we walk away knowing a little bit more about humanity, where we know that we have left an impact uh, that ideally is positive uh, on those around us and those that we've met. Um, and ultimately, you know, a greater sense of connection between one another. If the past year has anything to say about, you know, our lives, it's we really need to take a great pause and think and reflect on what it is that our lives were before and the amount of purpose and meaning that they had and figuring out ways to connect more deeply to those elements of humanity and finding ways to expand on that through our travel, through our experiences. And there are so many opportunities to do so. Um, it's just a matter of, of you know, leading with intention and then following through. This is Regenerative Skills, the podcast helping you to learn the skills and solutions to create an abundant and connected future. I'm your host, Oliver Gaucher. I am once again honored to be representing my friends at New Society Publishers, the book publishers that were a big inspiration to me even before I started working with ecologies and natural buildings and way before podcasting. Their titles like The Natural Plaster Book and Timber Framing for the Rest of Us really made me believe that I could build my own home, which I eventually did. And later volumes like Ecopreneuring, Unlearn Rewild, and building community have offered tons of inspiration and even helped to shape my worldview. Whether you're looking for practical tips on growing and preserving food, exploring complex challenges in your own life, or sometimes just searching for hope and inspiration in a crazy world where you don't feel like you fit in, you'll find exactly what you're looking for and more at NewSociety.com. Welcome back, everybody. Now, a topic that I've been exploring personally for a long time is the concept of regenerative travel. I've been traveling my whole life in some way or another from when I was born in Tokyo, Japan, and then immigrated to the U.S. with my family when I was seven years old, through moving more than nine times when I was a kid to taking off independently when I was 17 and traveling and working around the world. Travel has been a lifestyle for me more than a hobby or a vacation, and I've often wondered if my actions and contributions to the places that I've lived and visited could justify the environmental impact of that way of living. Through reading and mentorship, my understanding of the concept of regeneration has evolved. I now understand how true regeneration goes beyond the do-good paradigm to development of the full potential of any whole system that we're working with. Luckily, a dear friend of mine from my time in Guatemala is working on exactly this challenge through an initiative called Naturally Smart Travel. Leilani Yats is the founder of Naturally Smart Travel, a tour coordination company partnering with impact investors and social entrepreneurs in the developing world through immersive travel. Previously, her unique experience in the Los Angeles startup industry helped small domestic teams grow into international success. And since 2017, she's focused on connecting individuals with resources to community and environmentally focused businesses in Guatemala to help all parties thrive. In this interview, Layla walks me through the thought process that went to creating the tours and experiences that foster real connections and contributions that go both ways. She explains how tours can break out of the mold that often shows local and indigenous people as exotic and in need of help rather than fostering a deeper understanding of the lives of the people that you're visiting. We cover some of the uncomfortable observations from having both lived in popular tourist areas in Guatemala for years and the patterns and assumptions that are often made by visitors who are just passing through. 
This is certainly only one part of a much longer conversation that I hope to continue to have around the subject of regenerative travel, but I think that Layla is the perfect person to kick off the dialogue through her work and experience. So let's jump right in from the beginning. So Layla, why don't you tell me about this new project you've got with Naturally Smart Travel? Um, well, uh, Naturally Smart Travel is um, really a project that came into play back in 2019. Um, I met a couple of friends who were looking for opportunity for investment uh, down in Guatemala, and they didn't necessarily know exactly how to approach it. Um, and that's kind of a general understanding that I have in the world is just knowing there are so many people out there that would like to make an impact, but they don't necessarily have the opportunity in front of them. Um, so when this opportunity presented itself, um, it, it kind of spawned this idea that we can connect people with resources to people who are in need of those resources for growth and development. And um, this idea of creating these culturally immersive, uh, you know, travel tours um, to bring people to Guatemala and really show them these beautiful, this, this beautiful country um, that's so welcoming and uh, just offers so much culture from their history um, all the way up until today uh, to teach people about, you know, the needs of the country itself and um, all the different ways that they can really make an impact with every one of their travel dollars. Um, and so through Naturally Smart Travel, uh, it's, it's given opportunity, um, like I said, to connect people with resources to those uh, who are in need. And um, we'll be launching our tours uh, at the end of this year. Uh, the first one will be in October, which is really exciting. We have a few people who are signed up and a few people signed up in November. And then um, the big launch will be in January. And that's where we'll start um, not just having the general tours of coming down and seeing a little bit about you know, what's happening with natural building and water reclamation um, and different aspects of, of meeting community needs, uh, but also working directly with businesses to bring them down, um, to bring travelers in to get to know more about social enterprise directly. And um, yeah. <laughs> wow, that's, that's a lot going on right there. And I know that this is actually part of an offshoot of a parent company that you've been working with for some time that used to tell me a lot about when we were in Guatemala together. So tell me how this offshoot ties into the mission of the parent company. Um, well, yes, this is very much an offshoot of uh, the Pop-Up Foundation and the Pop-Up Foundation, um, it was founded in the UK by um, a mentor of mine named Paul Clark, who I know that you have spoken with and are familiar with. Um, and Paul became a really excellent mentor uh, from an event that we had both attended uh, back in 2015. Um, and through his like getting to know him and understand him and learn more about the pop-up foundation the entire purpose was really to just get to know what the needs of individual communities are around the world um, and to be able to reconnect them with nature and find different ways to give greater purpose to life through um, education and uh, that reconnection with nature, um, finding different elements of nature and being able to pull that into our daily lives, whether you're in an urban setting or you know, um, in a more rural area. Uh, so Paul himself um, has worked with different educators and uh, indigenous tribes and um, different governments to 
find a way to kind of change or reconnect the subconscious of humans to, um, you know, the greater being that is earth um, to uh, kind of evolve or reconnect with our purpose of being here. And um, he's done that throughout his 40 plus year career. Um, and I just got to meet him over the past few years and uh, not necessarily write his coattails, but certainly understand what his vision is and find a different area that he wasn't necessarily uh, tapping into to kind of increase um, the exposure to that uh, that purpose uh, of his work. And so kind of branching off of the pop-up foundation, Naturally Smart Travel uh, is very much rooted in all of the, the values um, and intent of uh, the pop-up foundation, but we're focused on a specific area um, to bring people into that purpose rather than bringing that purpose to the people. Incredible. And so let's get down to what the primary differences are between normal types of travel, sustainable travel, regenerative travel. What does that mean to you, the difference in those words? Uh, to me, you know, for a long time, I think it's, it's, it's interesting for a very long time. I just saw the world as kind of, you know, it's, it's one big playground. And, um, a number of years ago, a friend asked, what's the purpose of us being here anymore? You know, humans as a species. And of course the first thought is, well, you know, sustainability or not necessarily sustainability in the way that we think of it now, but just sustaining the species and, and, and ensuring, you know, our future, um, as a species. And then thought, you know, as far as population goes, we've certainly got that covered. We've met our quota, if not exceeded it, um, incredibly. Uh, so really the answer became experience just to experience so much of what the world has to offer to see the beauty to connect with different cultures to really understand you know anthropology and um, also how that connects to the future and um, so travel early on just for me at least and I think that this still exists for a majority of travelers is going to different locations that might be new and exciting and fun. And maybe they have a bucket list, or maybe it's just some random, you know, deal that they find online and they just want to go and explore and, and, and escape um, where they're getting off the plane and they're just going through all the highlights and, uh, you know, snapping the pictures and then getting back on the plane and returning to their normal lives. Um, that is certainly, I think the way that a lot of travel happens now, and it always has, um, but looking to sustainable travel, it's almost like an introduction to self-awareness through your travel. So um, if you think of that old adage of um, it's take no more than a picture, leave no more than a footprint. Uh, when I think of sustainable travel, it kind of reflects that. It's almost a snapshot in time of when you do get off the plane, you wanna make sure and just kind of be aware of what your impact will be while you're there. You want to make sure that you haven't had any negative impact and hopefully you've left it a little bit better, but just knowing that you've done your part to at least preserve it as it is when you arrive. Um, and that's really great. That can lead to um, at least start the, the inner conversation of um, what it is that your travel can lead to and what impact you truly have uh, while you're traveling. Um, 
And so I would say further down that conversation uh, is where regenerative travel comes into play. And with regenerative travel, it's almost like you're looking to the future, but you're doing so from the starting block. And when you think of the starting block, it's more so the blank canvas of virgin land, untouched land, where maybe there's a little bit of civilization, but there's something beautiful and really intriguing about a location. What does it mean for us to be able to create an experience for others to come in um, and be drawn to? Well, we have to cut down forest, um, more than likely, uh, to be able to accommodate any of the businesses that would support whatever the level of tourism is, you know, as an introduction, or maybe it's further down the road, um, a couple decades, but there's a depletion of natural resources. There's an introduction of uh, foreign resources, whether that's you know, concrete that's being poured or foreign woods to support the structures, um, you know, different metals, uh, just foreign elements like tar, um, things that nature otherwise wouldn't have experienced. Um, and then as you increase that, that presence, um, there is the depletion of the natural resources uh, by the humans themselves, not just the structures that are supporting them. So, uh, you know, loss of, of water, water um, contamination uh, from any of the cleaning solvents or anything that go, uh, the toxins that go into the water. Uh, there's waste management and thinking about the waste creation and if the infrastructure of that location can actually support, um, you know, the waste that's, that's being produced. Uh, and the list goes on. So I think with regenerative travel you're thinking about this beautiful place and of course you're going there and you're experiencing it and it's it's wonderful but you also want to make sure that that integrity isn't damaged but you're leaving with with having given back so that you can replenish the beauty of that space and it can get more so back into its natural state um, that led everyone there to begin with so that's really the different elements of of travel in my mind yeah, I really love the way you described that. It's a concept that I have been wrestling with for my entire adult life because, you know, mm -hmm. both of us lived in Guatemala and have traveled there and have had different professions while we lived there and thinking about how the time that you spend and the efforts that your time goes towards, whether or not it's actually contributing to what you want to see more of there or mm -hmm. if you're facilitating what that highest potential of an area, what of a community, or any of these other holes that we might represent, um, helping to facilitate that need and potential within those communities or elements that we're talking about. And I think that's a, a difficult and nuanced separation between this concept of like doing good in your time and your impact and facilitating higher potential. One being that you have an agenda for what you consider to be good and what you want to see more of. And the other being allowing it to unfold and develop over time with the unique elements and essence of the place and the people that you're interacting with. And I think you've really touched on something here, but I'm curious as to how you develop this into a travel route. What were some of the elements and the holistic considerations that went into planning out this event? Um. That is a really wonderful question. Uh, it's a loaded question for sure. Um, so we'll unpack it the best we can. Um, but really uh, traveling to Guatemala for the first time back in 2017, I didn't know what to expect. And um, 
I can tell you not with a sense of pride, but just uh, to put it in perspective, I couldn't have picked Guatemala out on a map. I wouldn't have been able to do so. And arriving to it, I had no expectations. I didn't know what to what what laid ahead. Um, I was only supposed to be there for a month and ended up absolutely falling in love with the culture, the opportunity, and uh, just seeing within that month um, all the different initiatives or a handful of initiatives, I should say, um, that were rooted in making an impact and improving the lives of the general community. And I hadn't really seen that to that scale, to the scale that I was experiencing it then um, here in the States. And it was kind of something that was missing from my life. I think that that sense of purpose and giving back and the ability to do so. Um, so that month passed and I ended up deciding just to stay and, you know, four and a half years later, uh, I still consider it home. Um, and, uh, over the past, you know, four and a half years, I've traveled through different parts of Guatemala and have only learned more and more about people who are on the ground, Guatemalans and some foreigners who are on the ground and, they're working with their communities because they understand what the community needs are. They understand what the resources are that they can work within, uh, what resources are needed so that they can continue to grow. Um, and they know exactly what to address and I, I essentially think, you know, how, how to address them the best approach. So learning about those initiatives, understanding the magnitude of the work that lies ahead of them and how hard they're working to just make a difference in the quality of life. Um, it just seemed like a natural pairing to reach to, you know, uh, I guess I should explain in what I call a past life. Um, I worked in the, in the hospitality field for about 11 years as a hospitality manager, building and cultivating experiences for families, for individuals. Um, and that's always been something that's been, you know, kind of a passion of mine. Um, in another past life, I also worked in the startup industry alongside, um, you know, business executives to help them grow internationally. And with that came a lot of knowledge and experience and a skill set that I think is pretty unique. So the coupling of those past lives created opportunity for a future that I think brings experience, um, understanding how to build a really memorable experience for individuals, how to meet them by luxury or level of luxury that they might be interested in experiencing while they're in this new location. Um, and then also kind of tipping a hat to business itself and being able to see where these individuals are within their initiatives, um, helping their communities and how to help them grow and where that need might be. So introducing travelers to um, to those initiatives and just seeing you know, what we can do and the magic that we can create by doing so. Um, and that's really naturally smart, I think, kind of in a nutshell. <laughs> it seems like such a logical progression for you because as I've known you and as we became friends in Guatemala, you were always putting people together and I know you still are making connections and making sure that the right people talk to each other when they're trying to move an initiative forward or trying to get some work done. And it seems like this is a fantastic way to welcome people into a vision of Guatemala that is supporting its development through a variety of different projects and locations that are representative of much more than just the tourist spots that you normally would go to see. Um, and I know we've already kind of talked about how you've decided 
and picked out some of the places and some of the organizations, but what are the relationships that are being developed even in such a short time as the time frame that this tour is actually going on? Um, ideally what's happening is, um, and again, excellent question. Uh, it's, it's kind of a question that, that faces the approach of, you know, what are the, the, the travelers and the guests getting out of this, um, this time? I mean, usually when the tours are happening, they're happening for maybe half a day or a couple of hours. So it's what can, can guests really get from that experience besides just knowledge and walking away, knowing that, you know, they've experienced something new and exciting. Um, and then also the question addresses, what do we leave those initiatives with? What do we leave those projects with? Is it just the memory of someone that's walked through and gone, okay, yes. And, you know, another affirmation from a traveler who's saying, you're doing something great, please keep it up. Um, but ideally, you know, when, when we bring guests down, we want them to connect with those communities and the individuals who are leading the initiatives to really have an understanding of what the social impact is, what the solution is, and what the solution, uh, sorry, what it is that they're solving um, with their initiative. Um, we want to give opportunity for um, direct investment, if that's something that someone's interested in, just to be able to support, um, or for a donation, if someone's willing to, to support monetarily. Um, if they come down and, you know, someone has uh, experience in the, the area of uh, the initiative that we're, vi we're visiting, um, to be able to create a connection that's longer lasting so that if there's any sort of need for mentorship or expansion, or like you just said, connectivity to, to see if there are any resources that can be shared, um, that that's long lasting. Um, and it, the, the question kind of taps into as well, um, what the longer goal, like the long-term goals are for Naturally Smart. Um, of course, you know, we'll host our tours uh, and, and have impact within them, but uh, further down the road, um, the idea has always been, you know, to offer capacity building um, courses and programs for uh, the partners that we go to visit and the initiatives that we go to visit, um, language classes to learn a little bit more about English, which certainly opens up to a completely different market. Um, being able to offer scholarships um, for continued education for, um, you know, younger generations uh, and ultimately investing in the partnerships um, to help them grow. Uh, so it's it's not just about coming down and, and saying hi and, you know, seeing what someone's built and just telling them that it's beautiful. It's about making sure that we're stretching our dollar and we're stretching our time um, to, to cultivate relationships that are built on trust and longer lasting uh, so that we can continue to invest in, and continue to grow. Yeah. So I don't know if that answered the question quite well, but <laughs> yeah, well, look, it's, it's something that we're always going to have to dance around because I don't think it has a specific solution or a definition, so to speak, but right. like, this Everybody. is kind of how we, we often connected back when I lived there is that, you know, there are so many people working on so many different initiatives. It seems to be like the main occupation, especially of expat communities around well, in Guatemala, everyone's got some sort of foundation or some sort of school that they're trying to move forward and you know you and I would talk a lot about how these problems are a lot more nuanced than often what people come down there thinking right mm -hmm. and the 
impulse to, I mean, you could even call it like the white savior complex to go down there and think, oh, we know how to do this better. And I always point to the example of like seeing trash around in the campo and mm -hmm. how people would come by. And, uh, you know, even I remember having this kind of gut reaction when I first came down there is like, oh man, this is really a shame. There's trash everywhere. Like we should get this cleaned up. But when you start to explore those underlying issues it's like do we really have this solved in the west because we as individuals per capita generate tons and tons more garbage than anybody living down there for the most part and the difference being that we have the riches and the infrastructure to make it somebody else's problem or to ship it away out of sight and out of mind and we have somehow gotten into this line of thinking that we are the cleaner culture just because we consolidate it and put it somewhere else, right? And mm -hmm. just because their trash stays where it gets thrown away or, you know, the, the infrastructure does not make it somebody else's problem and it compiles in the neighborhoods, does that mean that they're consuming more or throwing away more than we are? And, you know, there are so many other transparent examples of those gut reaction problems that people are trying to solve, but don't actually get to the root of what the issues are. So exactly. with evaluating the projects that you've included on this tour, how have you understood? Well, I mean, I'm sure you have relationships with all of the people who are running them. Um, where are the impact driven solutions here that are more than just Band-Aid fixes and go beyond this? We have all this solved in the West. Let's bring our ideas over to Guatemala and fix their societal problem attitude. Um, it kind of, another great question, uh, it kind of goes back to uh, what we shared before as far as working directly with community leaders and initiative leaders who are on the ground in Guatemala. Um, and of course there is, you know, the white saver complex like you shared, um, and that's the opposite of our goal. We want to make sure that we're going in and we're nurturing the ideas and the initiatives that know quite directly what the communities need, how to approach it, what the limitations are. And it's all by experience. It's not by coming in and seeing something on the surface and saying, oh, I've got a solution for that. And this is exactly how you can do it. It's taking the time to get to know the individuals and building that trust and building that relationship and trusting that they know their communities well enough to find solutions that are truly solving, like not just creating a band-aid, but truly solving the root issue. Um, a really great example would be, um, there's Magic Classrooms. Uh, and so Magic Classrooms, it's it's an initiative that I, I, I connected with um, earlier this year and I'm just now getting to know, uh, but they are focused on teaching young kids who are, are um, I guess, preschool age, uh, how to learn. They give opportunity for employment for an entrepreneur who essentially is um, becomes the leader or the teacher of 
anywhere from like 10 to, to 20 um, kids, uh, often 10 to 15. And um, those kids come into this classroom. It doesn't have to be a formal space uh, more often than not. Uh, they have found that working with established schools actually makes it much more difficult. Um, they need to have their own space in a classroom that's developed, that's private, um, and have these entrepreneurs who are the leaders of these, these kids teach them, get them engaged, get them understanding the value of education and what it can really mean um, for their future. That way they're prepared to go into first grade. And by the time that they get into first grade, they're excited about learning. And the success rate has been really great. Um, for them. Uh, they've been around for just under a decade and they have over 75 uh, different classrooms uh, throughout Guatemala. Their goal is ultimately to grow to just over 150 classrooms. Um, and the success rate for students uh, making it to sixth grade, to ninth grade, to 11th grade has been, uh, they've seen a dramatic increase just by getting to them as kids and just saying, this is something that's really important in your life. These are fun ways that you get to be a part of education and how it's gonna help you. And um, those are the kinds of initiatives that are creating opportunity for employment that are really impacting the future of these children. Those are the kinds of initiatives that we're looking for, things that have proven track records, um, that have metrics that they can, they can kind of go by to see what the success rate is for not just you know, the business itself, but for the impact in the community. Um, and so that's just one example of, of many <laughs> that I can probably go into. <laughs> Well, I'm going to, I'm going to put your feet to the fire and get you to explain one more to me, because I noticed throughout the itinerary that you have included a stop at the farm that I used to work at and help to develop in Sununa, right? Yes. And I haven't been in touch with Jeremy, Adriana and Neil for a couple of weeks now, but why don't you tell us what that stop represents and some of the activities that they could imagine doing there uh, in that brief time? Um, yes, absolutely. Uh, so Granhatskin um, is uh, just a beautiful place, you know, just in general, I think, um, you know, stopping in and seeing a beautiful view of the lake is, is wonderful to see these natural buildings is really wonderful. Um, learning a bit about uh, permaculture and the importance of kind of shifting away from pesticides and traditional um, or not traditional, but I should say industrial uh, <laughs> agriculture and understanding the importance of diversity and what you can do by, um, by using permaculture methods, uh, not just at home, but also, and I'm sure, you know, in discussing this with Neil, understanding how it can be applied to larger scale uh, corporations. Um, and I, I guess, you know, for me, that represents the future, ideally, uh, a really great solution for the future of agriculture is pulling from these principles and not just, you know, sitting there and preaching about it, uh, but actually putting it into play and teaching others how it can be beneficial for them, um, not just for their bodies and, you know, their communities and, um, you know, the, in nature, uh, but also just for their businesses as a whole um, as they reach out to larger corporations and, and all of that. So 
ideally um, the afternoon or our visit there will be connecting with, you know, Neil and, and Jeremy and Adriana and learning about what led them to creating this incredible place. Um, but then also what that represents for them and what that can potentially represent for the future, not just of Guatemala, but I mean, there's so much potential. Um, and you know the the whole point of of this travel and those the the tours that we're cultivating is immersion. And so if you're there, if you can see it in front of you, if you can see the beauty of the the space that they've cultivated, um, and understand what the the purpose and the meaning is behind it, um, <clears throat> then it's much more of an experience, a memorable experience, something that's long lasting and that really plants the seed uh, for the guests. When they go home, they'll be thinking about, you know, ideally some of their uh, consumption and their habits and just thinking uh, a little bit larger about what that means for, you know, the world and how we can start to shift into more sustainable, uh, a more sustainable culture. Um, so that's a really long answer to. <laughs> well, here, let me add to that real quick, because I've been to so many different permaculture farms. I've worked on a mm -hmm. few of them. Goodness knows there's a ton of them at the lake. One thing that I can say for the projects that the, that group is doing down there is that they work a lot with local farmers and their uh -huh. site is actually fairly small. And so a big part of the initiatives of that project are helping to bring back polyculture climate and soil appropriate agriculture systems for the primary crops that that place is already producing, which for the most part is coffee. But at the same time, bringing back heritage varieties of avocados and bring in, you know, all of the different elements that can create a very healthy ecosystem out of the coffee production that they're already used to. Uh, and really spreading that throughout the entire community rather than just bringing in foreigners and teaching them right. permaculture and doing some herb spirals and moving on because there's a lot of those too. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been fantastic to see how much that place has grown and developed over time. And I want to go on that tour just to go back and see my old farm. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I think that you would, you would fall in love with it all over again I'm sure. for so many different reasons. Yeah. Tuna has changed so much since I've left. I was talking actually to Charlie Rendell the other day and he was oh, talking about how many people have bought land there and how that community mm -hmm. is really starting to come into its own these days. It is, but back in the day when we first met, I remember there were so many conversations that we had about the potential for Sununa. And you look at, like you said, there are so many different, you know, in, in any of the towns, there are so many different initiatives that are rooted in permaculture, agriculture, and, and all of that. But there are also a little bit of, of, of rifts that come up between the locals and the foreigners and um, just making sure that there's a bridge between those communities and that they're really working, you know, in parallel and um, seeing that opportunity. I think we always talked about how wonderful it would be and how that was really the goal of um, the foreigners who were coming in to not necessarily leave behind, you know, the local community and just get the, like, buy their land and develop their land and just focus on what the benefits are for them uh, individually, but finding ways to raise the community as well along that, that path. And I think Sunina is such a shining example of how you're able to do that um, while still staying successful on your own, you're able to bring everyone else to the table so that they can also feast. Yeah, for sure. Um, before we wrap up, can you tell our listeners where they can find more information about these types of tours and follow how this continues to develop? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, our website is, uh, naturallysmart.me. Um, that was definitely intentional. I'm hoping as people type in naturallysmart.me, they actually, you know, take in a little sense of them being naturally smart um, and leading them to uh, this wonderful path of, of travel. Uh, so Naturally Smart Me is uh, our website. Um, naturally Smart Travel is our handle for any, any social media, um, whether it's LinkedIn or Facebook or, or Instagram. Um, and they're able to sign up for our monthly newsletter where we'll be sharing information, not just about, you know, the, the locations that we're going to and fun tour, you know, highlights, um, but also impact uh, so that they can easily tie uh, what the work is that we're doing and what the work is that we're highlighting um, to uh, really build their experience in advance of, of their travel and hopefully after. Thanks once again to Leilani Yats for sharing her knowledge and experience. Like I mentioned in the beginning, regenerative travel is a concept that I want to continue exploring from multiple perspectives. I would love to hear about what you think about some of the concepts that we explored today. These episodes are just the beginning of an ongoing conversation on these topics happening at the Regenerative Skills Discord server, and the questions we'll be exploring this week are, what do you think is the difference between sustainable, impact-driven, and regenerative travel. Looking at things from the other side, what would you like the interaction to be with people who travel to your region and community? Is there a way that visitors could positively contribute to the development and evolution of the unique identity of your home place and community? Remember, you can always join the Discord server for free through the links through the website at regenerativeskills.com, where our growing community can help you find answers to your questions, solve challenges, and connect with like-minded people around the world. This episode's original music comes from Reed Mathis. If you'd like to have your own original music featured on the show or just want to reach out, you can get in touch directly through info at regenerativeskills.com. Now that's our show for this week. Until next time, keep taking those little steps every day towards a regenerative future, and I'll be right by your side along the way. Mm-hmm.